1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hello, everyone. You are listening to Going for Goal, the women's health podcast with me, Roisin Kane. Regular listeners will know that we normally focus on how you can hit a health or wellness goal, and you can listen back to previous episodes for advice on everything from ethical eating to realistic weight loss and making your social life work for you. But these are not normal times. COVID 19, or coronavirus, has become a global pandemic, and we are facing what's been termed the biggest health crisis for a generation. Right now, all we, like you, want to know is how to stay as physically and mentally well as possible, and how we can minimize the risk of causing harm to others. So, that's exactly what we'll be aiming to find out over the next few episodes, where we'll be putting your questions about how coronavirus affects you to a range of healthcare professionals and fitness experts. Today it's Dr Chintal Patel, an NHS GP practising in central London. She is on the front line of the coronavirus response and she comes to this conversation with a working understanding of the science of viruses and how they spread, having completed an undergraduate degree in immunology. Welcome Chintal. Thank you for having me. Good to have you on. Um, As I mentioned as an NHS GP you're on the front line of this response what are you seeing in clinic?
2: So obviously these are really testing times for us in general practice Um, we're all working really really hard it's a very much all hands on deck approach Um, and as GPs we're kind of trying to keep up to date with all the latest advice and guidelines that are coming out we have moved in our practice towards um, a telephone triage system so we are speaking to our patients rather than trying to bring them in trying to decrease the amount of footfall into the practice Practice and a lot of our telephone conversations are obviously patients with symptoms who are concerned about themselves or their loved ones having symptoms of coronavirus or COVID nineteen, the condition. Interesting. And let's just remind people up top what those symptoms are. Um, so the main symptoms that we are concerned about and the main symptoms that you'll you will see with a COVID nineteen infection are a temperature, which would be a temperature of greater than 37.8, and a cough, which has been persistent for the past four to six hours, so a new onset of a cough that's persistent. If you have either of these symptoms, it's really, really important that you stay at home, self-isolate yourself, um, and call either your GP or maybe use some credible sources of information on the internet first. So the NHS website and the NHS 111 website are great credible sources of information. Um, and if you're concerned, to call your GP. But do not go to your GP,
1: go to a pharmacy or go to hospital. That's very important. Yeah, And I should say up front as well. So we are recording this on Monday the 16th of March. Advice may change by the time this is published. So as always, if you're confused about what to do, always head to the nhs website
2: yes definitely the um um, we're trying to decrease the number of calls to 111 if possible they're obviously very overburdened at the moment um so we would if you have access to the internet the nhs website and the nhs 111 website are constantly being updated so you can find a whole lot of information there first of all and then if you don't have the information that you need there then do call your gp who will direct you either towards 111 or be able to help with your your symptoms
1: or your concerns. And what is it like as a healthcare professional at the moment? How are you guys coping?
2: I can definitely say that um, at the moment really testing times in general practice um, things are moving and changing really quickly we're we're learning to work in a very different environment Um, we're used to having face-to-face consultations but we have had to drastically reduce that and try to limit the number of patients that we have attending our surgery to prevent spread so a lot of our consultations are via telephone triage or um, video consultations we're working together with um, other practitioners Practices, to try and come up with innovative ideas of of trying to best
1: cope with the increased demand that we're facing every day. There is this sense of this mounting anxiety and uncertainty. What's that like when you're dealing with a patient? I think that's probably the mainstay of
2: most of our telephone calls, actually. Um, it's, it's really difficult to alleviate the anxiety when everything you see in the media, on the news, the minute you switch on TV is about coronavirus and this pandemic and how it's you know that every every stat is how many people are dying how many people have been infected how many people across the world have got complications i think what we have to try and remind ourselves as well is that when it infects fit and healthy young people the majority of people are then actually recovering they are then having very mild symptoms um you know similar to a common cold or a flu-like illness and the majority of these people are feeling fine and able to you know self-isolate and then hopefully have built up an immune
1: response to it. Okay so as we say people are people are nervous people are worried um, what is different about COVID-19 that has got health professionals and the general public so concerned?
2: So If we go back to the basics, coronavirus is part of a family of viruses and that encompasses everything from the common cold to uh, more serious conditions such as the SARS epidemic um, in 2002. So COVID-19 is the illness that is associated with this current strain of coronavirus and what's new about this current strain is that it hasn't been previously seen in humans until December last year it's spread obviously we don't know everything about how it spreads and um, the effects but what we do know is that it's thought to be droplet spread um, and does that, that mean stuff that comes out of our yes, nose and our mouth so that means <laughs> stuff that comes out of your nose and your mouth yep. um, and so it is spread by close contact And so you would hear a lot about kind of social isolation Mm. um, and self-isolating
1: yourself. There are lots of terms flying around at the moment that we're hearing that it's quite difficult to actually understand what they mean. Mm -hmm. Um, Can I run through some definitions with you first before we get into people's questions? Um, So first, we've mentioned it already, but social distancing, it's based on the theory that given the
2: virus is spread by contact, if you were to decrease the number of contacts, so if you, for example, cut the number of contacts in half, then you technically, theoretically, will cut the possibilities for the virus to spread in half. Um, So it would be things like temporary closure of public spaces, concerts, sporting events, which we already have, so large gatherings, but then also reducing use of things like public transport, encouraging people to walk or cycle, um, perhaps encouraging people to work from home, if it's possible, um, limiting contact with others. Um, even avoiding visiting elderly or if you have relatives that are unwell personally as a, as a parent, you know I have said my my children won't visit their grandparents for a few weeks' it's so
1: hard isn't it, it it's, is such hard. A, it's, it's such hard. a real it's a real alteration it
2: is um, but at the same time, you know young children are vectors and carriers for this and although they may not exhibit the symptoms they may have very mild symptoms. Um, if they were to infect their elderly grandparents, their grandparents could have quite severe symptoms or complications. so it's really important we try and protect our elderly and what about then about herd immunity? Yes. So this is another phrase yeah. um, that's that's banded about. And I think it's really important to, understa- to understand herd immunity. We probably have to go back to the basics of understanding immunity. Yes. Um, Good place so, to start. Yeah. <laughs> so if we think about um, if your body is faced with an infection, a fit and healthy person will generally fight off that infection. They will then build hopefully, immunity to that infection and some kind of immunological memory to that infection so that were they faced with that infection again in the future, they would be able to fight it off again in the future. Right. So this is the basis of how vaccines work and why we vaccinate. Um, and the thinking is that enough, if enough of our population... And the um, clever statisticians have come up with a value of around 50 to 70, around over 60% for this particular virus. If enough of the population were immune, this means that it would be harder for the virus to actually spread between people because the people that are are immune would be actually acting as a kind of barrier to it spreading to the people that yep. that are not. So flattening the curve, that's another buzzword. So the curve that we are talking about is that if we didn't take action, any kind of action, we would see a massive spike in the number of cases of coronavirus. Although, a major- you know, the huge number of these would just be self-isolating, would recover very well. A lot of these would require further help from the NHS mm. and hospitalisation with with um, complications so all the hospitals do have a threshold for how many patients they can admit um, we have a limited number of itu beds we have limited capacity for nhs services so what we don't want is that number to spike above our yeah. threshold so flattening that curve and flattening that peak is basically trying to control the number of cases that we have over a period of time um, so we're trying to push the number of cases further towards this kind of spring and summer months for example where the nhs workload is less we're trying to flatten the number of cases over a period of time so that the nhs is more able to cope with the numbers that it's seeing and we don't ever reach that threshold Um, this also gives us more time to research the virus to come up with vaccinations and to come up with with ways of treating it um, and treating the symptoms Um, Also, there is a possibility that if there's a seasonal element to the virus, like the the common flu virus Mm. that we have, that it may be that by this towards the summer months, it should hopefully be dying down. So the government is using kind of government scientists using lots and lots of complex mathematical models so that we can really try and flatten that curve further. But the overall aim of it is to control the number
1: of cases that we're seeing over a period of time so that we can cope. And thank you, by the way, for all that you... For all that you do, I think everyone is realising more than ever just how grateful we are to have such robust healthcare systems. It was amazing, like even seeing in Spain when everyone was applauding Mm. all their um, healthcare workers. I found it yeah, massively moving. Um, So, yeah, thank you. (laughs) So, basically, so those are all big statistic based zoomed out that's what we are hearing about a lot now I want to zoom in and use your expertise as a GP to really answer our listeners questions um, about how this is affecting their life and what they can do within it so one question that we had a lot when we put out a call was is it safe to go to the gym This is an
2: interesting question. We don't know if coronavirus is spread through sweat currently. Okay. Um, Obviously, we should all be putting in kind of the normal hygiene measures that we should all be doing. So top of the list stop is the hand washing Um, so if you are going to the gym and if you choose to go to the gym, making sure that you wash your hands, making sure that you wipe down equipment, wash your hands after wiping down equipment Um, you know, all gyms have soap sanitizers um, available so making sure you're using that, if you're coughing or sneezing in the gym, so basic respiratory hygiene, make sure you cough into a tissue or sneeze into a tissue and throw that tissue away and then wash your hands once again going back to hand washing, it's really important that people know how to hand wash properly making sure that they are doing it for more than 20 seconds realizing that actually soap and water is the best way to wash your hands so it wash the virus away it doesn't have to be a hand gel in fact soap and water is better um, and then just really following the current guidance at the moment gyms are open if you can work out at home It's great. And if you can work out in an open space, in a garden, you know, with lots of fresh air, you're probably doing lots more for your health than going to the gym at this moment in time. That's true. In spring as well. It's lovely. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind.
1: Okay, so then the next question, um, one that we have come up a lot, was what to do if you live with someone or take care of someone with compromised immunity?
2: So this is quite a tricky situation. So obviously, somebody with compromised immunity would be more at risk. So if for any reason you have symptoms or suspect that you might have symptoms, you would need to self-isolate and you would need to contact your GP. And we would try and arrange some other kind of care for the person that you're caring for. It's really, it, it's difficult. I think if every individual case would have to be seen individually. It would depend on a number of factors depending on why that person is immunocompromised to the level that they are mm. um, and how much help that we can get in for them. Yeah. Um, but certainly if you had symptoms, it would be no different. You should self-isolate. And also just taking your basic precautions once again for that person. So the basic hygiene, making sure you're hand-washing, making sure you're cleaning. It, it, um, coronavirus can um, stay on work surfaces, for example, for up to 72 hours. So if you're sharing combined
1: workspaces or kitchen space, making sure you're cleaning that really well. So is it possible to say if someone is living with, I don't know, um, a housemate or someone that has a, uh, could be like a chronic disease, something that impacts yeah. their immune system, is it possible to self-isolate within the same home? So self-isolating within a home, it's
2: it's not I wouldn't say it's 100% easy, but it is possible and we are encouraging it. So the way they would do this would be, you know, with an aim to distance themselves at least two to three metres away from other people. So they would pick a room, which would be their room, um, make sure it has um, a window for ventilation, no visitors for that period of self-isolation. So any deliveries, food, medications, et cetera, to be left outside the room, to eat in the room, to have their own crockery, cutlery, towels and not share, um, to just you know use that time to recuperate to rest to sleep to try and recover Um, at home if there were shared spaces things like bathrooms if you have to share a bathroom to try and have a rotor in place um, to try and use the bathroom last after the well people who are well have used it and then clean it down really well afterwards Um, so there's
1: lots of things that you could do to self-isolate within the home as well That's really helpful and so important for like modern living when we're not just all of us aren't all set up as families. Yes, Um, absolutely. It's really good advice. Okay, and then we've had lots of um, people wanting to know about how the advice may differ for women who are pregnant. If you have a confirmed COVID-19
2: infection, so you have been tested and it's confirmed, um, then that may pose a risk to the baby's growth. And so they have recommended an ultrasound scan 14 days after Um, to check and um, there could be an increased risk of premature birth if um, you became seriously unwell so those are things to maybe consider um, talking to your obstetrician or your GP about. Um, Pregnant women will have very similar presentations as I say and we would manage them in the similar way. Um, There has been one study in China um, looking at nine late-stage pregnancies and it was published in a reputable journal, The Lancet. Um, And all of these babies at the time of birth, they were all born by caesarean section, um, but all of these babies were found, um, there was found to be no evidence of virus um, in the mother's breast milk, cord milk, or amniotic fluid. And of those that did develop COVID-19 symptoms none of them had severe complications or required ITU admission Um, so it it is thought that mother to fetus transmission in utero doesn't seem to be happening although it could happen at the time of delivery. Uh, The other thing is they they also they also found that it wasn't present in breast milk so um, I did have that question with a mother um, concerned with her symptoms about breastfeeding um, and so obviously breastfeeding does involve close contact so really important to be making sure you're washing your hands and, and good hygiene um, during breastfeeding
1: interesting okay what would you say to any woman any women who are pregnant who are really feeling the the strain and the anxiety at the moment I think
2: it's really important to talk to somebody. So there is, there is definitely lots and lots of advice online on credible sources. Once again, the NHS and the one 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 website, I would recommend. Um, but your GP would be very happy to discuss it with you. And I do think pregnancy is a case where it would be perfectly reasonable for you to book a telephone consultation with your your GP if you had any kind of concerns or symptoms. Um, so that hopefully we can give you advice. You know, if you're anxious or worried. Um, I would call your GP for a telephone consultation and we could discuss your individual case.
1: Okay, and then as we've talked about mothers of young children, you're a mum yourself, right? Yes. What are some... Do you have any any tips for how people can, I don't know, engage with their children about the coronavirus? Basic tips for hygiene? Is there anything else we haven't covered? Um,
2: I think the main point is definitely to talk about it with your children and to discuss it and to help alleviate some of their their concerns about it. Um, I actually had a discussion with my children this weekend. I've been very open. We've discussed it from day one. Um, and I asked them, what were, what were they worried about with coronavirus? And I was really pleased with the answer, actually, because they said nothing, mummy, because we're just going to just have a, a, an infection. But we've got to be careful not to spread it to other people, especially their grandparents. Um, and so actually, that is you know, that's that's, that's pretty it, much. basically. <laughs> that's that's a really important message. Yeah. So as a family ourselves, we've decided to distance ourselves from grandparents because I do have frail parents. Um, and it's really important because, um, as I said before, children are vectors. They're carriers and they can spread the virus. Um, I would it would obviously my children are older so they're age 10 and 7 so they have a a better understanding but obviously explain appropriate to age and there are some really great resources out there actually that I can I can give you for link for ways of explaining to younger children what the virus is and what it does Um, that's a great shout I will make sure that we put those in the show notes Um, and then really to be mindful of how you show your your reactions how you are how you show panic and anxiety because children feed off this Um, so it's really really important to remain calm to explain to them calmly um, because how we you know by doing this we're teaching them how to respond to stress and uncertainty and they're feeding off us. So if we can remain calm in how we approach it, they you know, they will feed off that. And I think things like social isolation can be pretty scary if you're a child. You know, to have a loved one, to have a parent isolating them from you is is, is quite hard. Um, so that would have to
1: be you know approached really sensitively yeah. and the more conversation and understanding around the entire thing would then contextualize exactly. that big change exactly okay
2: um, and then really teaching them importance I mean children are great at sharing everything you know cutlery towels toothbrushes glasses glasses everything yes. and they get Talkers. rewarded for sharing <laughs> exactly Um so kind of really teaching them the importance of hygiene at this moment in time teaching them how to wash their hands um, you may have seen a lot of the NHS um, websites talking talking about singing happy birthday twice is roughly 20 seconds so just teaching them quick and easy hacks and ways that they can um you know practice hygiene sneezing catch it kill it bin it using a tissue throwing it away washing their
1: hands um, not touching their faces things like that great um what are also some just some like quick fire common sense things that we can all be doing to reduce our risk of infection
2: so i think once again, I'm going to repeat myself, but the main thing we can all be doing is looking after our hand hygiene. Um, that is the commonest way it's going to spread, and that's the commonest way that we can really quickly and easily and efficiently reduce spread. So hand washing consistently. So for myself, in between every patient I see when I go into my clinic, I will wash. I will wipe down my computer, um, keypad, or the telephone, anything that I'm touching or holding, I will wipe my mobile phone. Um You know, parents, after changing nappies, after blowing their children's noses, anything that they're doing to make sure they're washing their hands before and after. Um, Every time you sneeze, blow your nose, touch your face to make sure you're washing hands before preparing meals, touching surfaces, things like that. And then really kind of think simple things, looking after yourself. So keeping yourself hydrated, keeping your immune system boosted by good sleep, good rest, good diet, um, a healthy diet, trying to... Um, exercise if you can Um, and then if you had symptoms obviously things like paracetamol to reduce any fever once again keeping yourself really
1: hydrated and well rested to try and help your body recover Um, are there any other ways people really want to seem to want to know how they can cope with symptoms in if they end up getting them Um, so the main main symptoms are
2: a fever and a cough so we would control the fever, as you said, with paracetamol. Um, and the cough is usually a dry cough. So sometimes things like steam inhalations might help. Um, but general advice, so it is a generally a minor self-limiting illness. So it is really coping with the symptom relief. Mm-hmm. Um, so keeping yourself really well hydrated, drinking lots of water, trying to rest and let the body recover, getting good sleep, um you know, eating a good balanced diet if possible,
1: mm. just trying to trying to limit the symptoms. And I guess it's letting yourself not be well because I think so often in our culture we are so determined to push through, aren't we? We And so Absolutely. I think it's a real shift in mindset that we think, okay, I'm not just going to power through on. Lem sip and black coffee yeah, holding that, my hand up is that sometimes the way that I deal with colds
2: um, I think it's really important to take to, to kind of realise that actually this is my, my time to recover so in a way self-isolation gives you that opportunity to actually take that time out and think I need to actually rest, I need to recover, I need to sleep, I need to, you know, think about my health and just letting myself recover.
1: And lose the guilt because not only are you doing this for yourself, but you are doing this for the health of the entire population. Absolutely, absolutely.
2: You need to totally lose guilt because you need to be not, you need to distance yourself from from everybody. You know, it's really important that you take that time
1: out. Yeah, fantastic. Um, And what can people do right now? I was saying before how it's thrown into sharp relief just how important our health service is um, what can what can people do to support the nhs and its workers right now because it's going to be a hard
2: yes. this is going to be a rough few months right it is going to be a rough few months and it is going to go on for a period of time as you say it's a long period and at the moment we we're, we're not even at the peak so we are it this is going to get worse before it gets better Um, And I think we have to be equipped for that. And whilst practices are trying really hard to be equipped for that, we are experiencing a huge volume of phone calls, um, concerns. And I think there is really, really good advice, credible advice on nhs websites and the nhs 111 website and the public health england websites and the who websites and i think it's really important that people stick to those credible sources of information um, before they contact their gp so they might find a lot of their questions are answered very quickly there um the other thing is to not go to the other sources of information so i think interesting you know i find that um in my parents for example are sending me lots of messages and forward messages that they've received through WhatsApp groups of lots of weird and wonderful cures for coronavirus and how they they drink lemon water every morning they'll be cured <laughs> I, think it, you know, I think it's you, you've just got to be really careful and mindful of what's out there yeah. um, and you know trying to relieve some of that burden off the NHS in terms of phone calls and appointments would be really helpful you know cre- credible sources like this podcast for example or or other similar podcasts where you are, you know, you are spreading evidence-based information as opposed to... Lemon water.
1: Lemon water fixing everything.
2: Exactly. I think it's just really important
1: (laughs) No offense to lemon water. Lemon water is lovely. Probably, it's probably not going to be the silver bullet in this situation. It's not Um, great for your teeth either. (laughs) True. Always (laughs) through a straw. Um, But then that's just not so good for the back ones. Anyway, I digress. (laughs) So, the main thing then, as a GP, there's so much information... Even within this podcast, there's there's so much information generally going about there, as you say, from broadcast media, from WhatsApp groups. What's mm. the one thing of everything we've spoken about today? What's the one thing that you really want people to take away? I think if we're going to control uh, the
2: spread of this virus, I think the self-isolation message and the hand-washing message are really, really, really important. So if you, cons- if you think that you have... Symptoms, you must self-isolate because it is very easy for one person to infect hundreds and thousands of people exponentially once due to contact and, and interaction um, and then hand washing
1: to stop the spread. Yeah. So don't push through, play it safe yes. and wash your hands so much that it might feel a little bit ridiculous. Yes, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Because it's not meant to be normal because as you say, yeah, we're not doing things normally at the moment. No. And that's
2: fine. It's a period of time where, unfortunately, we are going to have to adapt and we are going
1: to have to do things that we're not used to doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your advice. That's been so helpful. Thank you for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Even in the time we recorded this episode, the advice has changed. While we are attempting to keep our content as up-to-date as possible... The situation surrounding the coronavirus pandemic continues to develop rapidly, so it's possible that some information and recommendations may have changed. For any concerns and the latest advice, visit the World Health Organisation. If you're in the UK, the NHS website can provide useful information and support, while any US listeners can contact the Centre for Disease Control and Prevention. The final thing to say is that if we do go on a break over the next few weeks, don't panic. As Going for Goal is a weekly show, there's a good chance that we may need to pause recording during disruption caused by the coronavirus. Um, Right, all that's left to say is take care, everyone, and I'll catch you soon.
0: A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance.